I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders, Blue White Breakdown, Tuesday, January 30th, Johnny. I think you I think you know what I'm driving at. January almost out the door. The snow, the cold weather, turning the corner towards February. Things are going to start to get interesting. We got a Super Bowl to look forward to. Uh, we got we got, you know, a combine. I know you're looking forward to the combine. Winter conditioning's not that far away. Pretty soon you know it'll be March and they're going to be practicing. So, I before we get into a lot of Penn State football details. Just your thoughts. I think I, I'm going to say that January is my least favorite month. I don't even know if it's close. Yeah, Bob, I was just talking to someone about this like a couple hours ago. It felt like this month just dragged. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, look, I, I was able to, after the Peach Bowl, you know, go to Florida for a few days. That was nice. Yeah. That seems like it was months ago. Like months ago, maybe it was the snow that we got that just, you know, kind of just makes the week feel longer. But um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the cold weather out. I don't know if we're going to get rid of the cold weather in February, um, but at as least long as it's not as cold as it was in January for about 10 days. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Look, and, and we got a yeah, you mentioned a Super Bowl coming up um, between between the. My, my the dreaded Niners and uh, and I'm sure for a lot of people the dreaded Chiefs you know having having been there for so many times but uh, you have the combine coming up I'm not sure if I'll be getting out there to Indy this year for that but uh, we'll we'll see um, you know the Senior Bowl is underway and I know you wrote about that and I'm sure we'll talk about that Shrine Bowl don't forget about don't sleep on that Shrine Bowl Johnny don't sleep on the Shrine Bowl and and everything else that's going on in the pre-draft process right now. Uh, it's about to get really busy for those guys. It already is really busy for those guys. Um, and spring ball, you know, Penn Staters going through winter workouts right now at the Lash Building. And you know, before we know it, uh, you know, we'll be talking to players, coaches um, ahead of a really important spring ball. And then you got summer and training camp and then the season, Bob. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's still January technically here. Yeah, I know. We're almost there. We're almost We're there. Almost there. Um, next month only has – it's a leap year. So it's 29 days next year, but it's still better than 30 or 31. Johnny, as you know, every once in a while, I like to just kind of freewheel it, try and just not, 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 not let you know what's coming. But usually you respond like the champion that you are. This is not going to be any heavy lifting. But I thought, since we've been talking about it, the end of January, um, just kind of for the Penn State football fans, what did we learn? What did we learn, uh, you know, both in-state college with James Franklin's team? What did we learn maybe on the national level? What did we learn on the, on the new Big Ten level? But 
Um, I think there's a lot of different ways we could go. Um, but when you think about some of the things that just transpired in this brutally cold month, after you got back from that warm, sunny vacation with your loved ones, and I'm sure you never wanted to leave that. When you think about some of the stuff that maybe just happened at Penn State, um, I have some ideas, but what sticks out to you about maybe the, some of the most meaningful things that transpired involving James Franklin's program in January? Yeah, I just think in general, right, and it's with Penn State included, but college football as a whole, like, it was just a month of change. You, you had the portal that was open. You had coaches leaving. Uh, you know, Penn State saw that. You know, Mike Gersich fired in November. You know, if we're going back that far, Manny Diaz leaves in December. Uh, and Stacy Collins, the special teams coordinator, leaves to go back to Boise State. And so, you know, Penn State, as we, as I mentioned, the players are going through winter workouts right now. The coaches have been on the road recruiting. Uh, they've been, you know, looking into the portal. They've been looking at their own roster. You know, not not a mass exodus, uh, you know, in terms of Penn State players leaving, but that could be upcoming in April as the coaching staff and the program prepares for spring ball. Um, that you're you're looking at a team and a and a program right now with three new coordinators, and so uh, it's a coaching staff. While they maintain their their position coaches, um, you know, retain those guys. That it is kind of a program in transition from that standpoint. You're going to have a new offense, uh, a new defense, and and while like I'm sure you know the players and and Franklin might just say, hey, here's Manny Diaz's playbook. Go ahead and do that, Tom Allen. Like Tom Allen's going to have his own identity um, and, and his own. Uh, his own wrinkles and his own, you know, thing he's doing. So, um, yeah, and, and like I said, you look across college football and like you know, Nick Saban retiring, and you know, Kalen DeBoer leaves Washington and won't be the Big Ten next year. Uh, Ohio State goes and racks up however many players from the portal and, and retains a bunch of guys. And um, you started to see, of course, like after the national title game, you know, Jim Harbaugh leaves. Uh, duh, like the you know maybe the biggest. I was one. waiting for you to get to that. I knew. Yeah. You as as it pertains to Penn State, I mean, Michigan's not on the schedule till 2026, but still. Um, so a lot of change at Penn State, a lot of change at the Big Ten, a lot of change across the country. Uh, you saw a lot of people right after the national title game do like their way too early, you know, top 25s. And I've already seen those some of those same people, you know, within the last couple of days come out with revised top 25s only a few weeks later because so much has changed in college football. And I, I don't think Penn State you know, has been impervious to that. Yeah. How about, how about this? Um, when it just comes to, when it just comes to the way the transfer portal and kind of the movement is set up in terms of what we learned, what I learned is I think that there's definitely going to have to be a change. And, and I just think, I just think for the, for the good of the sport, I get the fact that players, you know, deserve uh, the, the choice to move. Coaches do it all the time. Um, but it just seems like it's kind of reached a little bit of insane proportions. I don't know. I don't want to use the word unmanageable, but I have to think that, you know, you know, December and, and you know, the month of January, I, I just think that for for coaches to try and manage that and manage that situation, um, if it's, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I got to say that it's, it is, it is shortening the lives. I think of some very talented college coaches. Uh, I'm not sure they need a lot of big changes, but the way it's set up right now, Johnny, do you think? I, I think what I've learned is I think they definitely have to step in and try and just 
add some structure to it, if that's the right word. Yeah, guardrails, maybe it has been a, a word that's been thrown around quite a bit um, by college coaches across the country, including James Franklin. So, yeah, I think you could definitely take a hard look at what the portal is right now, how it's set up from a timing standpoint. Um, you know, I, I do think it's it's to the benefit of the players, certainly, um, in terms of just options available to them, that they have both a winter window and the spring window that opens for 15 days on April 15th. Um, and just from a management standpoint, you know, I mentioned uh, an exodus is probably coming of like fringe players for Penn State because uh, they're entering spring ball. They're going to enter spring ball as it stands right now um, with 99 scholarship players um, in the building. And you got to get to 85 by the time the season starts. Um, so I kind of point to I, I think that's almost like a positive though for Penn State in that like they're going to get to 85. Um, but that James Franklin and his staff have been able to convince a lot of players that hey, there are snaps to be won, reps to be won in spring ball, uh, and just try to have as much competition um, in the building and on the practice field as you possibly can. And so I think that, you know, when, when you look at, you know, some schools are losing 20, 30 guys, and, you know, some coaching movement, you know, has something to do with that as well. Um, but I think it's almost a good problem for Penn State to have right now, um, that they have so, so much competition going into spring ball, and definitely some spots up for grabs. You know, we talked about the wide receiver room. Um, there's there's a few positions on this team uh, that we'll hope to see three, four guys emerge um, from that cluster of players that really could transfer and go elsewhere. So, um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely a conversation to be had um, in terms of the hectic you know nature of this schedule uh, with recruiting too, because you know, you got like I mentioned, the coaching staffs on the road all the time, looking to recruit now 2025 and 2026 guys. And they got to worry about people in their own building. But um, I also balance that with the fact that, you know, coaches can leave at any time. And so I, I'm, I'm all for player movement, Bob, but, you know, some guardrails would be nice. It's the Blue White Breakdown, end of January edition. So excited about it. We're talking about kind of what we learned uh, about college football, Penn State specifically. Johnny, when you talk about James Franklin and his recruiting in the month of January, uh, a couple things I just wanted to ask you about. What what have you what did we learn maybe about? Um, they've held a couple of uh, uh, visiting weekends already. I know they have. They've gotten at least one offensive lineman a couple of weeks ago. What have we learned maybe about the? I guess it's not really the future of Penn State recruiting, but you know, when we look at 20, 2025 and twenty twenty six, has any has anything in your mind kind of crystallized or taken shape about either their approach? Or where they kind of sit, or maybe what this class, what this class will look like, maybe at the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I think too, it's difficult to sit here and say that in 2025 they're going to have X amount of commits because you just don't know from a roster standpoint who will enter the portal. Not only now in April, but then you know it's it's very difficult to tell that sometimes. Um, and they right now they've got eight guys in the 2025 class. Uh, one thing I think for sure is that they're going to have another quarterback. Uh, and I mentioned Matt Zollers uh, from Springford last week um, that he was scheduled to visit last weekend, uh, this past weekend, but he actually ended up moving that uh, to this upcoming weekend. Uh, he went down south to visit some schools as his recruitment heats up. So something to keep an eye on there. 
Um, but Penn State's very much in on him and, and very much in on you know other quarterbacks too in this 2025 class. They already have one committed in Beckham Fritza and wouldn't be surprised if this is the two quarterback class for Penn State. But um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those where it seems like they get a lot of their commits you know in the summer in June. June is always a big month for Penn State. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't expect it to be any different than that. Sure, you'll have guys commit, um, you know, maybe Blue White Weekend when you have so many guys on campus uh, for the spring scrimmage. And so I would expect that as well. But yeah, it, it's difficult to say that the things have really crystallized right now. Um, but they're getting a lot of guys. I'll say this. They're getting a lot of guys on campus over the last two weekends and scheduled now for this upcoming weekend. Guys that have been on campus already a good bit. You know, you look at. Um, even for example, safety, um, Kenwa Winston and, you know, Desi Jones, a wide receiver from New Jersey, 2025, four stars that had been on campus already for games this past fall. And I think just that continuity and coach you know, programs across the country are doing this as well, but, you know, to keep up with those guys and, and guys that they've already recruited now, um, you know, for a couple of years, um, to, to, to really continue, that pursuit. And I think that's going to pay dividends for this, uh, for this team, this program, this coaching staff uh, in the coming months. Johnny, let me give you a, a much more distinctively easier uh, question about recruiting. What did we learn about maybe the upside of Cooper Cousins, who recently, uh, I see a lot of people now view him as a five-star offensive lineman. He was, I think, obviously, uh, you know, a coveted prospect before that, a four-star guy. One, I think he was one of the very early commits to to the class but it just seems like the tra the trajectory for this guy is pointing up and that's a great sign i think for penn state moving forward they've had some really good offensive linemen uh sign with this program in recent years but just about just about him in particular uh, it just seems like a lot it's a, nationally now a lot of people are really starting to get impressed with this kid yeah definitely yeah cooper cousins um yeah he was a four star now a five star uh, on three, elevated him, and uh, and he has really impressed not only the evaluators uh, when it comes to that that side of it, but this coaching staff. I mean, Cooper was the first guy committed in the 2024 class from Yuri McDowell, and and he has been no frills this whole process. He has been, you know, just the the level headed kind of player that you want uh, to not only help recruit other players to that 2024 class, which they signed um, in December. Uh, but he comes in as an early enrollee, one of the 16 guys that have enrolled early um, you know, in, into Penn State right now and going through winter workouts. And I mentioned last week on the podcast that it is difficult for freshmen, you know, player offensive linemen to come in uh, and establish themselves and play a role as a true freshman. But I think Cooper Cousins is one that can kind of buck that trend. I mean, you look at what he stands at right now. I mean, I think he's what, six foot six, 320 pounds. I think the expectation is that he'll begin his career at Penn State at center. Uh, a lot of times, that's a big center. It's a big center, but <laughs> you look at the you look at the position right now at center, and and Nick Dawkins, you know, is there. Uh, I think Venga Ione will compete, um, you know, for that spot as well. But I mean, man, if they decide to use Venga elsewhere. You know, Cooper Cousins could be the backup center for this team in 2024. Um, and, and you look at what you know, Penn State normally does with offensive linemen who come in who can play multiple positions. A lot of time they'll start them at tackle. They'll start them at tackle, and then if they if they don't work out a tackle, they'll just move them inside. Uh, but I think it's telling that the expectation right now is that Cooper will be a center 
um, you know, starting off his Penn State career. And he is he's got that mental makeup, you know, the, the kind of guy that needs to know the entire offense, make the checks of the line of scrimmage, communicate with everyone else. Like he is that guy. And I think it's a really good sign for him, uh, not only in 2024, but looking even beyond that in the 2025. This is the Blue White Breakdown. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What did we learn? And this is one of the main ones I learned in January. I think I kind of knew I was going to learn it in December. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm going to be proven wrong. I don't know how you feel about this. Johnny, what I think I learned is that the biggest question of the 2023 offseason going into the fall of 2023, to me, kind of looms as the biggest question of 2024 for me. It's it's wide receiver absolutely. I know I'm not I know I'm not splitting the atom here with this theory. I know a lot of people think that, but the fact that it's still I don't it just is it just I know they were able to add Julian Fleming, but the way the wideout room looked down the stretch or throughout 2023 the season, I know we're going to have a new offensive coordinator at Penn State. I know Marcus Higgins is now in his second year. But to me, I, I don't think it's a great sign that I don't know how much progress has been made in the last year going to, you know, in, in, in the last 12 months. And I just it's such a it's a it's a position other other than Michigan. It's a position uh, around college football that can change the game in a hurry. James talked about it all offseason last year that, you know, you, you can be in a tight game and, and a receiver can go 75 yards and just completely change the complexion of a game. I look, I look at what Penn State has, Johnny, and I real I don't think it's a good sign. I hope I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I just don't feel good about kind of where they're at. I agree with you 100%. I mean, this time last year we were talking about the wide receiver room being probably the biggest question on this team going into the 2023 season. And then the 2023 season ended in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl and the wide receiver room did not have a catch going into the fourth quarter. Uh, and you know, there were plays that were made throughout the season. I don't mean to completely shortchange that room, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith, it looked like he was on the upward trajectory week one, uh, when he had that big play against West Virginia, he had the big play against Indiana. Uh, you even look down the list. So Mari Evans, you know, had, had a really nice touchdown against Michigan state in the regular season finale. Um, as you know, the co-offensive coordinators had taken over and had tried to put, you know, players in better position to succeed than Mike Yersich did, frankly, um, you know, as the offensive coordinator be- before he was fired. 
we talk about fringe players and opportunities to make an impact and emerge, uh, you know, in the winter and spring camp. And I, I look squarely at the wide receiver room because you have Julian Fleming coming in from Ohio State, former five star. That's a really good ad. Um, even though he never really broke out at Ohio State, stuck behind a lot of first rounders, it's really difficult to do that. Um, undeniably a talented player, and I think elevates the wide receiver room upon arrival. Keandre Lambert Smith is coming back, um, as he noted on on social media. Uh, and Harrison Wallace, this, you know, he dealt with injuries all throughout last season, and um, I don't think really got a chance to hit a groove. Um, so those are your top three guys. But beyond that. You know, Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders, Amari Evans, um, Malik McLean, who you know flashed early in the season, but really fell off um, as as really October went on. You know, Dante Stevens transfers out. Like this is a wider this is a, this is a room that is still under question and and will really until the fall. Like we're going to be talking about Marcus Hagens' group for a while now. Um, and I think on the flip side too, um, you know you look at who they're going to be going up against in spring ball and in the summer uh, in the corner room. Cause I think that's also uh, that's also a question coming in now because, you know, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, those guys are all gone. Joey Porter jr. Two seasons ago, um, you know, those four made up a really good, you know, quartet and with Manny Diaz and the defense that they ran, you know, applying pressure and really being aggressive and disruptive, like, he knew and they knew that they could run man coverage and be, you know, against everyone except for basically Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, be safe in doing that. Uh, and now you look at a group that, you know, you bring in A.J. Harris and Jalen Kimber. I don't, I don't know if I'm stepping on your toes here, Bob. I don't know if this is what you're going to get to next. but You never um, know. I like to surprise you. It's a wild, I'm a wild card. Don't worry about it. Exactly. So, so you bring in two SEC transfers. Um, you've got Zion Tracy and Kim Miller, uh, who had a baptism by fire in the Peach Bowl. Uh, so I, I think those are the two biggest question marks and two, um, two really, you, you come out of January, you come out of the portal and you take stock. And that's what I'm doing this week, Bob, by the way, we're recording this on Tuesday over the next couple of days. I'll have some projected depth charts going into spring. Love it. You know, it was a month away now at this point. So I think it's fair to fair to take a look at what they'll have. Um, and, and I think the wide receiver room and the corner room are the, are the two areas um, that will have the most scrutiny. Will that will have the most attention. Uh, going into spring ball. Good points. I'm looking forward to that projected depth chart. I know it's coming. Uh, I'm not sure when it's coming out, but I, I know I know it'll be thorough. And I know the I know the Penn State football fans will look forward to that from you on Pamela. Johnny, I want to close with this on this. Again, I keep like I just gonna keep saying it's January 30th. I'm super excited about it. I'm not freezing right now. Um, as we closed out uh, the month of January, I'll tell you what I think I learned the most. Uh, this month of January, and it, it it does it does involve Penn State, but it's really about another school. Um, what I learned is right now, I think, I think right now, and I'm talking, I'm not just talking about it in the Big Ten. It might be nationally, with the way that Ohio State is recruiting, with the way that they have their NIL program in place, and what they're able to do to keep players that could easily leave for. Uh, the drafting probably be second, third round picks. You know, a lot of them, and what they're what they're able to do to get get really good players in the transfer portal to come to Ohio State because of their NIL program. What I learned is right now, in my mind, it's Ohio State and everybody else. And you better have. I just think the way that they've kind of approached things. 
I think they're a bit ahead of the curve. I, I'm not sure how I'm not sure where Penn State is in their NIL program. I know it's gotten better. I know that James Franklin and and, and Pat Pat Kraft and a lot of prominent people, uh, whether they're alumni, I know a lot of people have done a lot of hard work to try and get it up to speed because James has talked about, you know, a couple of years ago, they just weren't they weren't where they needed to be. And I know they've made strides, but they're strides, Johnny, and there are leaps. And I just think what Ohio State's done, what I've learned is that they are they are looking good. And I think there's a lot of people, not just Penn State, that have some catching up to do. Definitely. And and I wanted to mention Ohio State earlier. This is a Penn State podcast, so I didn't want to. Uh, but I mean, I think Penn State fans know this, and I think I think they're 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 thinking the same thing that we're talking about. Definitely. And you know, Ohio State has for years been the program that. I'm sure quietly James Franklin or even not so quietly James Franklin uh, and Penn State players and fans uh, have tried to, you know, catch and surpass at some point. Uh, it's it's that, you know, kind of boogeyman for Penn State. And you look at, you know, what they've done over the last month in player retention, you know, Denzel Burke, Tui Molo, Al, like the list goes on there, who they've added, uh, Quinshawn Judkins, you know, Caleb Downs from Alabama, uh, you know, even Julian Sayan, who was one of the, the quarterback. top quarterbacks. Don't forget about the quarterback. I know. Well, uh, yeah, Will Howard, of course, is going to be the starter and be the guy. Uh, but then you just look at the future of the program. And what it's, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like they're able to take one of the top quarterbacks from, from you know, one of the more recent recruiting classes and Julian Sayan. And it's just, yeah. Now, maybe those who watched uh, the NFL over the last few years in Alabama will Look at Bill Bill O'Brien and say that's an uninspiring hire. I think it. I think it's a pretty good hire because uh, what it allows Ryan Day to do is kind of step back and be a CEO and not have to worry about play calling. Um, it's. I think Ohio State won the month for college football, and uh, that's that's not difficult just for Penn State to stomach. It's difficult for everyone in college football to stomach. But Ohio State is on the schedule. They come to Happy Valley in November on November second. Uh, the Bill O'Brien homecoming, and it's going to be a lot of really good players uh, that the Buckeyes are bringing with them uh, at that point, too. And I think at this point, yeah, it's it's easy to overreact after a really good month. But when you have the month they kind of had, I I think them and Georgia are probably favorites for the national title heading into the 2024 season. A lot can change. A lot can change. It's January. Um, but, yeah, what I learned as well is that Ohio State is a well-oiled machine right now, Bob. Yeah. And Penn State fans, if you're if you're listening to this or watching this and saying those guys, all they ever do, all they ever do is poke. All they ever, they're always negative. I'm gonna go glass. I'm gonna go glass half full. All right, Julian Fleming plays to his five star ranking. A couple of young receivers step up. Tyler Warren, NFL NFL tight end that I think is a, a huge bonus. They got him back. Nick Singleton builds upon what he did the last two games of 2023, the bowl game and the Michigan State game, the team with Catron Allen. Cooper Cousins earned some playing time. Uh, the new OC, uh, Andy Kodlenicki, Nicky, um, you know, they take to his offense. It confounds teams right from the start. The uh, the transfer portal corners, uh, both of them work out and team with some young corners with a lot of promise, um, and they barely, barely skip a beat. Tom Allen, his reputation as a defensive coach, Proves to be true. This is probably the most talented bunch of defensive players he's ever had a chance to work with. And it's a pretty seamless transition uh, from Manny Diaz. All of that stuff comes to pass. And Ohio State comes in here and 
you know, it's 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 going to be one of those games. It's going to be one of the top games of the Big Ten. All of that stuff. All of that stuff is certainly possible. But it just seems like right now it's a lot of what ifs. And I think Penn State, I mean, there's a lot of progress that has to be made. They can make it. But um, I think what we just did for the last, you know, 25 minutes, Johnny, I think it's a pretty fair assessment of where Penn State is one month into 2024. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, like a lot can change in the offseason. Definitely. And we went 26 minutes and 30 seconds without mentioning the name Drew Aller. Yeah. He's probably thanking us for that. He's like, God, stop yeah. talking about me. And, and look, I think that is – we, we talked about the wide receivers and the corners from a positional standpoint. I think what I'll be looking forward to most is seeing how those two groups develop. Um, but Drew, with the new offensive coordinator and Andy Kotelnicki, like we, we talked all year about – how when assessing Drew's first year as a starter, it's a little bit of everything, right? It's a little bit of him. It's a little bit of the, you know, the receivers. It was a little bit of Mike Yersich. Um, I think Andy Kotelnicki and what I've watched from him do at Kansas, you know, the stats kind of back it up. Uh, his creativity, the way he runs his offense, the way he gets his guys in space and surprises defenses and put guys, you know, put defensive coordinators on their heels and keeps them guessing. I think we'll do wonders for Drew Aller. Is that enough to beat Ohio State and to um, and to make a run in the college football playoff? Like, again, what ifs? That's kind of what we're dealing with right now in January with a new OC uh, and a quarterback who's coming off a year, you know, trying to build off the positives and get over and overcome, you know, the challenges that he had against, you know, top competition this past year. But I do think Kotal Nicky was a great hire when it was made almost two months ago now. Uh, and I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see strides from Drew. Um, and we're going to have to wait until fall for that because, you know, we're, we're only going to see so much in spring. They're not going to, you know, they're probably going to keep it pretty, you know, vanilla in, in the spring game. Uh, but I do think, you know, we're looking half glass full here. Um, I do think Andy Kotelnicki is going to make a really good impact on this program and on Drew Aller's trajectory uh, specifically. Johnny, that's how you close on a positive Penn State note. I couldn't. There's no way I could have done it as well as you, as you did uh, just now. Shout out to you and your Liverpool hat. I think it brings a lot of class to this podcast as I continue to wear uh, Dallas Cowboys gear, those stinking Cowboys. You classed it up. I'm proud of you. Guys, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, what's new with Penn State football. And it'll be February the next time Johnny and I chat. I know there's an extra day. It's 29 days, but I can live with it. I'm hoping for weather in the 40s next week. Johnny, good talking with you, and we'll talk next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>